Hello and welcome back to the Get Stuck In podcast with me, Max. I'm here again with Sam. We've got another guest on today um, who's a Crystal Palace fan, but first we're going to do our weekly roundup. Um, so we'll start with uh, the calamity of the weekend once again with Liverpool. Um, 3-1 loss to Leicester. Looking like they were comfortable after Salah scored, but um, a couple of huge mistakes. Um, one significant one from Allison. Um, in my opinion, anyway, uh, sort of set them on the road for despair, really. Um, what did you make of the sort of uh, complete collapse? I mean, before we go in on Liverpool, because it, it's kind of the easiest either way to go, and I do want to say, and I really, I don't dislike the player, I rate him, but I give him a lot of stick, and I think there's a lot of fans that do. He's quite a conflicting player, but for me, knows assist. And the finishing salad credit, that's a top-class goal. Um what happened afterwards, I mean, it was just that kind of thing. So many people thought, like you said, it was done. And then it was just moments of madness. And I think with all the other results before these last two for Liverpool, they've been kind of understandable or explainable. But the last two, especially because there's been so much influence from Alisson's mistakes, he's probably the one player who's just, I can't remember a mistake. I know he did have a few kind of, dodgy moments in his first season where he would try and play out the back or whatever. But he has been Mr. Consistent. And um, I kind of felt for, is it Quebec? Because obviously he was kind of involved with it. And I think most people are blaming Alisson, but it's just not what you need on your debut, especially when there's been so much critique of Liverpool centre-back situation. But like Klopp said in an interview, he sort of conceded the title. And I just think... It's just one of those. I just think the injuries have killed Liverpool completely, and it is. You don't want to make excuses in that sense, but at the end of the day, it has like you can't ignore it either. But then I would also say as well, they often lead. I think sometimes you just forget that Leicester away. Leicester are a great team, but they lost to Man City, and I know they have lost to poor teams this season. But football is so reactionary, especially this season. Like. We say it all the time, how many teams have been on for the league, then on for relegation. All it takes is a couple of losses. Like if Arsenal had lost to Leeds, I think that would have been three in a row with the two before. So I don't think it's as bad as everyone's making out. I think they'll get top four. I think they'll hold out for it. But obviously it's an ideal one, especially with the Champions League coming up. I was listening to someone saying, do you play Alisson in the week now? And I think they will. Where, where would you stand on that? Would you keep him in net for the Champions League game? For Alisson? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You're gonna, you, I, I don't see that argument of putting in your yeah. second choice keeper. That that seems bananas to me. Don't don't throw your the keeper who has been arguably your most consistent player over three years. That those the, These last two games are the first bad games I've seen him play for Liverpool. Yeah. Um, and to throw him under the bus after that would be horrific. In the first Champions League game in um, three months. So... I mean, credit to Leicester. They got the job done. I didn't think they played particularly well, but they they capitalised, which is all you have to do. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Merseyside derby next weekend as well. So, <laughs> yeah, I think we... you, you gave credit to Leicester. I think for them, this could be a really big moment because obviously they've beaten a lot of big teams. You know, Vardy's got a great record against big teams, but there was a mental block against Liverpool. Like, how many times did they lose the game where you were like? this is it, Liverpool are weak, they can do it. And then Liverpool didn't just beat them, they just sort of dominated and comfortably went past them. So I think for them, I don't think they can win the league, but I think 
they, they've shown there's a difference from last season and when they dropped out of top four, I think they're definitely going to secure top four this year after that result. Okay, if we move on to, should we say, Man City and Tottenham, um, a pretty comprehensive win in the end. Uh, Gundogan getting another two goals. Um, is, he, is he in the player of the year conversation for you now? I, I think he has to be. I don't think, I don't, to be fair, I don't think there's that many that... It's a bit like teams. Everyone seems to be up and down in form. There's not one player that's just killed it consistently, potentially. Maybe at some of the lower clubs, but obviously when you think player of the year, it tends to be top six teams just because of their success. But I think right now, if he, if he kept this going, I don't think there's a debate about it. He's definitely in there, in that conversation. I'd probably say he's in it. He's easily been, I think he did win player of the month. He's easily been the best player since Christmas. Um, he's just, he's just got a knack. Like he, his touch for the third was amazing. He made Sanchez look silly, but he's not, scoring like wonder goals all the time he's just positioning which is kind of the thing you would associate with a striker not not someone running from midfield but he's just got that almost like Lampard timing of arrival and um, it's nice to see because I think a lot of people at Dortmund when he came here were hoping he was going to be this kind of player maybe a bit like Fabregas, Lampard like I said when Fabregas was at Arsenal and he was deployed a lot deeper kind of playing the, the number 8 role so I think a lot of people are glad to see him um, just playing like this, especially it'll be interesting though. I think KDB's back pretty soon, so it'll be interesting to see how it all sort of changes with him back. But credit to Man City, they got the job done. Um, I think they're just they're just gonna stroll away with it now. Yeah, they're, they're seven points ahead, aren't they, with a the game in hand over over United? Yeah. And I think the title was completely wrapped up now because I don't yeah. see anyone else is actually a legitimate title challenger. Um, in terms of squad or form, yeah, they've won. What is it, sixteen straight in all comps? I think now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's always the thing with City. You worry as an as another uh, fan of another club. You always worry: Are they going to go on one of those runs? Because they are. They have the players and the squad capable of doing it every year. Mm. If they if they put their heads down and get on with it, um, then they've done it again, and that's what separates them from the rest of the pack because they have the ability to throughout long stretches of, of wins yeah. um, rather than, say, Man United, who have sort of stuttered a little bit over recent weeks, despite how well they played recently. Um, yeah, so if we look towards um, more the bottom half of the table, a massive win for Fulham away at Goodison Park and a big, big loss for Everton, considering um, they had the chance to go level with Liverpool with two games in hand before the Merseyside derby. Um Two goals for Josh, is it Maya? Or Josh, I don't know if it's Maja. I think, uh, think it might be Maja, but it could be Maya. But yeah, yeah two um, goals for him. Fulham played very well um, and were well worth it when Everton were pretty shambolic for most of the game. Um, yeah, I mean, where where does this leave Fulham? Because they're still, I, I think they're still seven points off. They've got yeah, a game. I got, I got the table up there. Um, yeah, they, they're seven points off. Um, Newcastle and then uh, eight off Brighton but with a game in hand and I think I think it's too much of a gap I think Brighton have picked up a little bit recently Newcastle obviously slipped down there but again they've got a bit of a change sort of style of play I think Steve Bruce was forced to kind of be a bit more ambitious and obviously Burnley on the back of that 3-0 this weekend are flying and they seem to have got that <laughs> Sean Dyche swagger back um, so I think 
Fulham have definitely improved, especially I remember the first day of the season when they lost to Arsenal. It looked just like they were going to go down with a whimper kind of thing. I think they're definitely going to make make a battle out of it. Um, but I mean, if they, if they can pull off results like this and they have picked up a few good wins, but I just I just don't think they have the squad. Um, and I just want to sort of bring in the rest of the relegation battle. You've got West Brom. Four point, uh, five points behind Fulham. Where do you see Sheffield United? They're on 11 points, so they're seven off Fulham. I think it was Ian Wright made a claim that he thinks they're going to survive. Do you do you think that's possible? Uh, um, <laughs> I love Ian Wright, but no. <laughs> um, it, it's, 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 it's a step too far. I would love Sheffield United to survive. And they, they, they've been in, like, okay form recently. Yeah. But it's it's too much because they've lost too many games against teams around them. So they, when you do that, you, you're just setting yourself up for failure. Um, you've got to beat the teams around you if you're going to survive down the bottom. Um, we've seen it in years gone past. I remember Wigan were very good at doing it because um, that's why they kept surviving. <laughs> mm. um, I, yeah, I don't see Sheffield go. I, I, I think the bottom three will stay as it is because I think this is... I just think the teams above them are better than them, yeah. significantly. Um, Burnley just... Do you see the Loughton goal? Yeah, yeah it was incredible. Yeah, I saw someone I, saying if it was... I watched in the European team. Yeah. 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 I, I've hardly seen it around. Like It's just sort of gone unnoticed because it's Burnley. But incredible goal. Um, and Brighton have actually started putting the taking their performances and actually getting wins out of them now rather than um, just amassing a massive XG for the for, for their game. Um, so, yeah, I think the bottom three stays is. is um, Do you think, uh, we've obviously got a Palace fan on later, Palace and Southampton both three points ahead of Brighton. Obviously, we've, we've, we talked about before, I think, the Southampton run, um, a lot of losses in the run, I think it's five or six. Do you think there's any chance they get drawn into that? into that battle or do you think they've gone up I mean there's a bit of talk isn't there about Roy Hodgson I think his contract's up and obviously he's getting on and I think a lot of people think he's going to go at the end of the season do you think do you think there's any risk he goes sooner if they are to get dragged into it or do you think whatever happens they'll just kind of see it out with him I think they'll see it out with Hodgson because I don't think there's any reason not to I think he's proven that he's sort of he's a manager who will keep you up and he'll keep you around mid-table um, and he's got this, he's got a similar squad yeah. So I don't think. I mean, they brought in the, the uh, Mateta, and they've got Eze now, who's been excellent in his first season. So I just don't, I don't see them dropping that far. As for Southampton, they're on a horrific run, perhaps the worst run apart from Sheffield United I've seen in the Premier this year. But they've got too many quality players. Southampton, Danny Ings will not let them go down. No, <laughs> there is no way he's going down. And there's no way he's getting drawn into that conversation, in my opinion. Do you think if they stay up, which obviously is sort of likely, what do you think, say they finish 13th or 14th and kind of just get get over the line, do you think, what do you think that's done to Hassan Hull's stock? Do you think he's still viewed as destined for sort of the top six or just a big European club? Or do you think that's a big dent? In I don't think it's a big dent. I think it would be a little dent. <laughs> um <laughs> I think it's hard to quantify that, but um, what analysis? Yeah, <laughs> I know, um, but I just don't. I don't. I think he's proven that he's got the metal to be a manager. 
at a top level club. But I mean, it's definitely done some harm because he he hasn't managed to bounce back at all from any of the losses. Lost, I think I'm pretty sure it's six in a row now. Yeah, that's as bad as it comes. Um, with a 9-0 at the start of it. Yeah. It's, it, you can't turn around and say that's really not done any damage. It has. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, just if we sort of finish this roundup uh, before we get the guest on, we talk, obviously talked about the bottom three. Assuming it was the bottom three now, it's um, Fulham, West Brom, Sheffield United. We talked about Sheffield United and how they're sort of they could have it in them to put results together on a run, but it's probably just too big a gap. If those three went down, if only one of them came back up next season, who would be your pick of the three to come straight back? I'd say tough. I don't think it's Sheffield. I don't think Sheffield. Really? I think they would be my pick. I think they lose. I reckon they lose a lot of their players. Um, yeah. My instinct is to go with West Brom because they always seem to come back up. But yeah. I think for I think if Scott Parker can keep most of that Fulham squad, I think he'd be in with, in with I the do think I think my only issue with West Brom would be I don't know what they're gonna do with their manager, like does Sam Allardyce stay? Whereas I feel like um Sheffield and Fulham both have a much bigger uh, uh, uh more of a project in place just due to the fact they've had sort of longer term managers but also managers that you don't see leaving no matter what happens. Um, I think, to be honest, it's a toss-up for me between Fulham and Sheffield. Um, uh, they, obviously, they could easily both come up. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be crazy next year. Assuming we have fans back, are you going to get Van Dijk back and all these people and everyone's kind of going to be hopefully back at it and out of this COVID slump, if you want to call it that. I just think it's going to be exciting next season, especially if Man City go out and buy Haaland or whoever they get up front. If Chelsea have a sort of half-season under Tuchel, You've got, um, I mean, who knows what will happen with Tottenham. They could go to the league next year or they could come age. You just don't know. Same with Arsenal. Man United, I mean, it's. Kind of, I think with Man U, I'm not 100% sure where they're going to gonna upgrade. I think everyone thinks it should be centre-back, but it doesn't seem like they think it should be centre-back. It is It is centre-back. Yeah. Realistically, they need a fast centre-back. I mean, Bailly mm-hmm. is that answer, but he's just he's not on the pitch enough to do, it, yeah. to do that role. Um I mean, Gabriel would have been perfect for them, but they didn't. Yeah, well, they, they were linked with him. It was, it was a, yeah. It was properly rumored. I think there was a point where they sort of took the lead yeah. in the race. And obviously, I'm glad we got him. But I, I agree. I think he would have been potentially ideal for them. Obviously, you don't know how he's going to fit in and things. And he's had a bit of a wobble after his really good start Arsenal. But he did have a sort of two week break because of COVID. Um, and he looked he looked better against Leeds. To be fair, but yeah, I agree. He would have been a great signing. Obviously, for Meccano, just signed with Bayern, which is. Probably the most boring transfer I've ever heard. Like, I, I mean, probably the most boring since the last German player, uh, well, German league, Bundesliga player. To go Honestly, to just, you're just hoping, even even if I was to speak as a neutral fan, you're just hoping, please, try, just try and make an effort for someone else to, to be in the conversation, but no, it's the so German boring. club just let, let Bayern have their way again. Yeah. Um, and obviously, it's not up to Leipzig, is it? It's up to... yeah. It's up to the player at that point yeah. because he's out of, it's, it's the buyout. But I mean, it just seems mad to me. They let yeah. Bayern, they seem to let Bayern run that league so so easily. Well, it's, it's like I saw someone tweet. Imagine if uh, like Man City or Liverpool just said like, okay, right, we're going to buy Grealish, we're going to buy I don't know, you can name 
the hot like it's it's like city buying almost um it's like them buying Salah. <laughs> just well, being like, yeah, we're loving oh, it. Yeah, it's buying like, like buying Joe Gomez or Van Dyke. Yeah. Um yeah, it's mental to me. A yeah. title rival. So welcome back to part two of the episode. As we said in the in this first section, we are joined by Mitch, he's a Crystal Palace fan. We're gonna <laughs> touch on the weekend a little bit, get his thoughts, mainly on the palace result, but maybe a few other things. Then we'll jump into his questions, uh, to hear his footballing story as a Palace fan. Then we're going to end up with a little bit of uh, debate and discussion about the Champions League this week's games and who we think is going to win it, which will be the big sort of final debate. So if we just jump into this weekend, we've already commented on a few of the games. If we start with, we briefly mentioned it, Burnley 3, Palace nil result. What were your thoughts on the result? Where do you think that leaves you in the table now? Well, I... To be honest, I just think that it's getting to the stage now. Like I've seen a lot of fans turn on Roy. Uh, I think a lot of people are asking for him to leave now, and uh, it's just getting to the point where like his tactics are uninspiring. You know, the players aren't playing for him, and there's just there's just no belief in the team, especially when Zaha's injured as well. So I just think that the, at the end of the season, especially with loads of the uh, players contracts expiring as well I reckon we need the big overhaul new manager new project on the way who would you want to bring in sorry see that's a tough one because it's it's all dependent I mean the names that I've seen linked mostly have been like Howe and Daesh Uh, I wouldn't mind Lampard I wouldn't mind Steve Cooper from Swansea uh, I wouldn't mind a Brentford manager. I wouldn't mind Scott Parker. But I don't think he would come, to be fair. Especially if he stays up. Definitely won't. I've seen uh, Stephen Gerrard link to you as well. Would yeah, I mean, Stephen Gerrard, he would be ideal. But I just think that he's not going to leave a Rangers team that he's been building up all this time. Especially when he's winning the league by that much. That's such a shock. You know what I mean? He's got a good record, he's got a good team. And why would he want to come to us who are just a bunch of shambles at the minute? Do you think you're a threat of, of going down with your sort of run of results? Well, to be fair, I think we, we beat Wolves and then we beat Newcastle and then we lost to Leeds, which is sort of... I saw that, that coming, to be honest, because especially since we battered them 4-1 at home, probably undeservedly. Um, but then the Burnley game, especially without Zaha, which we played them as well early in the season without Zaha and they beat us. But we made them look like Barcelona. Did, did you see the last goal? Their, yeah. their third goal. That we was talk- incredible. I know. Honestly, we, Van Arnholt he, he cannot defend to save his life. <laughs> and because he's good on FIFA, people tend to think that he's a good player, but he, he's terrible. <laughs> He made he made Matt Lowton look like Cafu. You know what I mean? But I mean especially with the uh, Fulham result and the West Brom result, I'm not scared of being relegated. I think they've probably start looking over their shoulders a bit. because uh, uh, Fulham have got I think two easy games and then we're playing them. So if they win those three they're 11 points behind us now. That'll bring it to two points difference. You know what I mean? We could be in a bit of bother if we don't get any points on the board. But I'm hoping 
uh, I've seen on Zaha's Instagram, he's back uh, in rehab. He's on the bike and he's he's trying to get back to fitness. He probably really wants to play this uh, next Monday against Brighton as well, where he's he probably up his game as well a bit. Just want to touch briefly on Eze. Um, in yeah. terms, of, he's had a very good first season. In terms of players you've seen come in, where does he rank among players who've had an instant impact? Instant impact. See, the thing is, like for us, we don't really score that many goals and we don't really blow many teams away. So, in that in that regard, I haven't really seen many players come in and make an instant impact. Uh, probably the the biggest impact that I've seen while at the club. Well. Sacco in his in his first season, uh, well, his first half season when he was on loan from Liverpool, he really shot up our defence. Uh, and Benteke in his first season when he got 15 goals, that was a a massive boost for us. And and also Kabai, so I probably put him just behind there in case. Well, maybe I'm missing a few, but about fourth or fifth, because he's got three goals, three assists, and. But he's still young as well. I think that's the thing about him. Like, we've got to give him time to grow. We can't expect the finish article already for him, for him to carry carry us in games like Zaha does. You know what I mean? He's really has to grow into that role. Yeah. And so, you've got, is it right then you've got Brighton on the weekend? Yeah, Brighton next Monday. Yeah, because I, I did for uni, I did a thing about your rivalry. And yeah. even when I did all this sort of research on it, it's still hard to get your head around it. How... How real is it to you? And like, where, where where would you see it in comparison to others? Like, how hateful do you think it is for most for, for people within it? Uh, well, for me, I mean, I've I've, I mean, when I was young, I didn't really understand like football and like the inner workings of rivalries and stuff. But obviously, since I've grown up, you know, especially I think it really heightened for me when we uh, when the season we got promoted, which was 2012-13. And we had Brighton in the playoffs. So we beat them at home and then we beat them, at, we lost to them away. Uh, they had uh, Leonardo Ojoa playing for them. And then uh, we got we got drawn against them in the playoffs because we finished fifth and they finished fourth. They finished just above us. Uh, and then uh, we drew nil-nil in the first leg and they were singing to Glenn Murray, who's like our hero that season, 30 goals. They were singing Let Him Die, Let Him Die when he was down injured. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and then in the second game when Zaha scored those two goals, that that moment was just probably the proudest moment for me as a Palace fan. Just to do it against your favourite player, to do it against your rivals and get you to the to the playoff final. Yeah, that was, that was the moment where I was like, yeah, no, sod these, I don't like them. <laughs> So we, that's an interesting point you make because we, we had a little chat about this earlier. With Glenn Murray, obviously, he went to Brighton. Yeah. Is there any um, lingering sort of um, criticism of him among the fan base for doing nah, so? No, to be fair, Glenn Murray, he, he played for Brighton before he played for us. And then he came to us for free, became our hero at our club, got us promoted with 31 go- 30 or 31 goals that season. Uh Highest goal scorer in the world behind uh, Ronaldo and Messi, and highest goal scoring Englishman. That's uh, <laughs> a start I had up my sleeve. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, 
to be fair, when when we sent him back to well, when he went back to we we shifted him on for two million to Bournemouth because he was like thirty one, wasn't really getting that much game time. I think we must have been playing uh, Gale and and whoever at that time, and Ben Teke was about to come in or whatever. So we saw it as good business, and then when he goes back to Brighton, obviously it's a club that he's been at, and uh, they they like him down there as well. So I I have the fullest respect for Glenn Murray, and I I obviously understand that he has to do the best thing for his career, which is obviously to try and get the game time. So no hatred for Murray. Um. So moving on, um, a little bit on Wolf Southampton, um, a comeback, including an. Exceptional goal from Pedro Neto, who's looking like a world beater as every week goes past. Um, what did you make of the result, not only for Southampton, but for Wolves' aspirations of, of, re- of getting back into the Europa? Well, I mean, I, I think Wolves' Europa dream is pretty much down the pan already, just because they, they don't really look the same team without Jimenez in there. But Pedro Neto, he, he is a good little player and he continues to press everyone every week. And uh, to be fair, I was kind of surprised that, that was his first goal since the uh, counter-attack against Chelsea to uh, slay Lampard. And, uh, but no, that was a class goal. I reckon give it two, two years and I reckon he'll go to like a top team. He'll probably be good enough by then. He would have started carrying Wolves a bit more. And uh, But to be fair, I don't think Southampton and, and Wolves have really got anything to worry about. I know Southampton lost six in a row, but at the end of last season, we lost seven in a row, and we were absolutely fine, you know what I mean? They've got a good manager, they still believe in him, they've got a decent squad, they got, like, Ings, and, well, I mean, maybe maybe the Ings contract isn't the greatest of news for that club, but I'm sure they'll, they'll find ways to uh, work through it, and as for Wolves, I mean, they've got a decent young team, they've got a good manager, they've got a a brilliant striker still to come back and hopefully he'll regain his form and uh, yeah maybe next season they can uh, start their pledge for Europe again Yeah it's interesting because Jimenez to me has never been regarded as one of the top top strikers in the world Mm. but to me he is Um, and I think it's been shown by his absence um, and how this Wolf team have done because I think if if Jimenez was there, I think they'd be in and around the top six this year. Yeah, definitely. He's one of the one of the best technical strikers I've seen in years. Um and he's he's hit his peak at an odd age, which is around like 29, 30, but players peak at different different points. So I think I think whenever he comes back, I think that's gonna be a massive boost, not only on the field, but just in the dressing room. Um mentally, what it'll do to that squad, I think will be massive. Um so if we move on to the second part of this, um, we'll start the questions. So, Mitch, I sent you yep. some questions to prep, um, but and I don't know many of these, but I want to ask you first of all, what has been your number one favourite moment as a Crystal Palace fan for your club? There's been a there's been a few proud moments, definitely. But uh, the the proud did you say proudest or my favourite? Favourite moment. Favorite moment. Oh, the favorite moment has to be when Zaha scored the two goals against Brighton um, at the Amex and uh, sent us to Wembley. Because to be honest, like I, I wasn't at the game, but I was watching it, 
and uh, they were all over us. I remember Ashley Barnes had this chance, and he like Speroni tipped it onto the bar, and like I I genuinely thought they were the strong team and that they were going to beat us, and you know it's just going to be another old year in the championship. But when Zaha really raised his game, he got in behind Wayne Bridge, headed the goal in, and then and then the last goal. Uh, when I watch it, it gives me like actual goosebumps, and then obviously it led to the Wembley and like it's probably it's probably like on a par for a Palace fan as the uh, the Deeney one in the other playoff leg, you know the uh, breakaway goal against Leicester. It's probably pretty much the same as that. So but yeah, that's my favourite. So how about in the stadium? Because I know you've been to a lot of Palace games, obviously. But so give me one from in within the stadium. Well, to be fair, in the stadium, I think the moment, the moment, oh, well, yeah, I've been to the uh, the playoff final after, obviously, was a brilliant moment because I was actually thinking, like, I was only like 12, 13 at the time, and I was like, I actually support Premier League team now, like, they're actually in the Premier League. But the, the craziest moment was when we scored an FA Cup final. And I I literally couldn't believe it because I was like, this is Man United. This is like the biggest team in the country and we're beating them in the final. But then again, it's a bit of sweet memory because obviously, you know what happened after we scored and we ended up losing. But that was probably one of my favourite moments. And yeah, I have to look back with a bit of resentment. That was a, that was a crazy final, but just... Praying that you won just because of something. Yeah, I know. Fun and it was just like, didn't they, did they get a red card? Yeah, Chris Morning yeah. got sent off. Yeah, it just felt yeah. like it was actually going to happen. And then Pardew danced and it was just like, oh, oh yeah, the Pardew dance. I think that cursed us. <laughs> it was a nightmare. <laughs> um, If we got move on to the next question, then I'm not sure if you've had a think about this, but do you know what your first ever football memory was? Um, I uh, I remember my well. I don't actually remember it, but my dad told me that I used to really like just getting a hot chocolate and a hot dog at the games, which I <laughs> is why he used to bring me to get me into it. Uh, my first game was against Blackburn in two thousand four, so going back a solid sixteen, well, yeah, sixteen, nearly seventeen years now, um, which was nil nil. Brilliant. Uh, and then my second game was against Sheffield United, which we lost. So it took me a while to actually see a victory. Um, but I just remember when I was young, like I remember Clinton Morrison, he used to bag loads of goals for us. Obviously, AJ, everyone knows about him. 21 goals in the Premier League for us that season. Uh, and I, I remember like all like the unorthodox players like Sean Scannell, uh, James Vaughan, he used to play for us. Scott Sinclair. Like, I remember, like, this is like, we're going back to the 2000s now, and I remember all of those playing for us. And yeah, doing, doing all right, to be fair. Some... If, we, if we move on to um, your favorite moment, memory outside of Crystal Palace, I know this is a tough one. There are a lot of moments, but if you can nail it down to one, what would it be? Outside of Crystal Palace. See, to be fair, I've been to quite a few Tottenham games as well, but uh, obviously I went I went to the uh, 
to the camp now to see uh, Barca versus Tottenham um, in the Champions League. Must have been two seasons ago. Um, and uh, I remember watching Messi come on and I was just like, wow, this this is the greatest player ever. And I'm actually here watching him. That was that was quite a good memory to be fair. But like in terms of in terms of actual games that I like remember like where I was and was it? Oh, I remember actually I watched the uh, the Argentina France game uh, in the World Cup. Do you remember it was like four two or something? Yeah. And Pavard scored that volley. I was just watching that and I was just like, wow, this is like the peak of football. You know, what <laughs> I mean, in the pub the sun is shining and. You got the World Cup on. There's no better feeling than that. Yeah, that goal's insane. That World Cup had a couple of just bangers. Yeah, it was crazy. Tell you what, I missed. I missed that goal. I was I was watching it at my grand's for the first half, and I drove home for the second half. <laughs> I missed the best half by a mile, probably in the tournament. Oh yeah, I saw it after, but it wasn't quite the same. But yeah, that that is one of the best goals I've ever seen. I think. Bar none. It's crazy. If we move on then to um, one player you wish your club had signed. And again, this is probably the toughest question. I really struggled with this. I know I did. But because it, your team's linked with plenty of players. Well, to be fair, obviously that's we've been linked with ridiculously loads of players like Madison, uh, like when he was at Norwich, um, Gilbert Sigerson when he was at Swansea. Or when, no, when he was at Spurs, actually. Um, but the two standout players has got to be Van Dyke and uh, Harry Kane. Uh, I mean, I think Van Dyke would definitely have shored up our defence. It'd be like, but then I think he'd inevitably gone on to like a Liverpool or someone else, like he did from Southampton. Uh, but it's just a bit of a nightmare that Neil Warnock uh, classed him as being too slow when he was at Celtic. Um, as for Harry Kane, I think I'll probably go for him just because we haven't had anyone to consistently score and I could see him being like a bit of a, like a Jamie Vardy for us. You know what I mean? And and I'm sure he would, would absolutely carry the team, especially with Zaha as well. And Balassi and whoever else. When we, when we linked with him, was that before he sort of got started at Tottenham when he went on? Yeah, I think it was, it was like probably about well, yeah, probably when we first... I think it was when we first came to the Premier League, so he was like a nobody. Yeah. So when he was like, at England Spurs fans really rated him, like this before he came, like their main striker. Because yeah. he was he was rotting in there, well, he was just playing for them, but not like starting or anything for quite a few years before he actually propped up. So should we move on to the debate then? Uh, there'll be a poll of poll for this to sort of interact with you guys on Twitter. So we move on. It's the Champions League. It's finally back. Feels like it's been an age since the group stage. It was a, I think it was one of the best group stages in a while in terms of like the amount of teams that nearly went out. I think Real Madrid's group was crazy and like every team could have gone through. Liverpool, I don't think they were close to going out, but they had a couple of wobbles. Obviously you had Man United going out. But um, if we talk about the fixtures that are this week first, so is it tomorrow night? I think you've got Barcelona and PSG. Is it tomorrow? I don't know if it's Wednesday. So you've got yeah. Barcelona and PSG and Leipzig-Liverpool. If we start with Leipzig-Liverpool because you've got Max here, we'll go to you first, Max. How do you see 
the first leg going. Obviously, you're you're away, but it's not in Germany, is it? No, it's in Budapest. Yeah, how did you see that one going? Um, <laughs> I was way more confident before the weekend. <laughs> so, um, I thought last, I thought the game before it was a bit of a blip, but now the weekend's gone by, and I'm not too sure anymore. Um, I, I think we'll get a draw out there. Um, I don't see us winning, but I think we'll get a draw. I think it will be one-one. The thing is, for me, we're capable of scoring, and I really think we're missing Jota at the moment because it's just we haven't got anyone else to come in and be a bit bit direct. Um, We've got the the front three playing. I think Salah's still banging form. There's nothing wrong with how Salah's playing. Mane's disappointed me recently. Um, He's just he he always looks like he's a threat, but he's just not got the end product. at the moment, I know he scored against Spurs, but they need they need to. Uh, is the injuries? And I know it's an excuse, but it, it just it just disrupts the whole team. And it, it's watching it. It's like watching a different team. Sometimes we're playing the same football, but we haven't got the same yeah. quality players in there. Um, so I think we'll draw, and it's going to be interesting the second leg because Liverpool have been asked not to host at Anfield now. Okay. Um, so we might see a home and a leg way and, a, and an away leg, yeah. uh, neutral venues, which would be a bit mental. But yeah, I mean they're still they're still saying they're gonna do away goals, which just seems ridiculous. Like there's literally no yeah. point to it whatsoever. Yeah. But um, so you're saying one one then? Yeah, I think it'll be one one first leg. Yeah. What are you saying, Mitch? How do you see that one going? I mean, Leipzig are a hell of a team. It's like every year. Just well, to be fair, Leipzig last season were bang on. But replacing Timo Werner with Alexander Sordov surely can't be good for any team. So, but as for Liverpool, I just, I just think that having Henderson and Fabinho play at centre back is is disrupting their whole flow of the team. You know what I mean? Like, with, without either of them, especially, well, to be fair, both of them in the midfield next to uh, Thiago or one Alden or whoever. Is just disrupting the whole function of the whole team, and I think that's that's why it's not clicking as as well as it did. Uh, obviously, Allison's had a bit of a patchy, uh, bad patch of form recently as well, uh, and I think they're just a bit sloppy, aren't they? Like Fabinho's but, not been fit now. That's the issue as well. He's just yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, that's that's always Klopp's excuse in the injuries, and <laughs> it's it sad to see him crying the other day because obviously you don't want to see that with any manager. But I do feel like he does blame a lot on, well, make a lot of excuses. But um, I'll go for I'll go I'll go for a draw as well. Um, one all. I think I think Leipzig are taking this. I think, especially if Ida wasn't, I didn't realise Fabinho was out. I think, I, I don't think it will be out of sight. I definitely think you could bring it back in the technical home leg. But I think, um, I think Leipzig are a top side. They showed that against Man United, showed it against their games against PSG. So I'm going to go 1 0 PSG. 1 uh, 0 PSG, 1 0 Leipzig. Um, so if we moved on to, if we move on to PSG, they're playing Barcelona. This is a this is so hard to predict because both of them have been in and out of form. I think mean, PSG, even since they've had Poch come in, they've been in and out of form. Barca have not been at it, but I don't know if you've seen this weekend, Messi's performance was unreal. He scored two screamers. 
he got the assist of the assist, but basically created the goal. Um, I don't know how this one goes. I think, is it Barcelona at home? Technically, I don't know if they actually are yet. Barca are technically at home. Uh, Mitch, what do you think of that? I mean, there's no Neymar, is there? No, I don't think so. But yeah. I, I, to be fair, I've been looking at the results and I saw PSG, they lost 3-2 against Lorient or someone someone not very good the other day and that the only goals they scored were like penalties or or something like that and uh so i think they're in a bit of a bad patch and i mean obviously it comes down to inheriting someone else's team which obviously poch has done but barcelona have had a bit of a swing in in form and they've caught up a bit in the la liga race after lacking behind really early on um so i'll, I'll back them because i think griezmann's Doing a, a decent job at the minute, and I'll go, I'll go for two 0 to Barcelona. I'm, I'm gonna back that. I'm going two 0 as well. I think Messi's gonna come clutch. Can't do that because I'm gonna say two 0 as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've got to say That's how it works. <laughs> I think Neymar's a massive miss. That's my thing. I, I think if Neymar was playing, it'd be a, a slightly different story. Yeah. But I think Barca are playing quite good football at the moment. So. I see that. I see it being two 0 in the home leg. Yeah, um, just, yeah. That, that, the clips of Messi from the last game was just—it's so good to see. Like with like a couple of injuries for him and Ronaldo. Like was well, Ronaldo thirty six now, thirty five, and you just like it's getting near the end. So every time they have a game like that, it's just so nice to be like, yeah, they can still do it. It's absolutely insane. Um, we'll quickly touch on the next two, but. Like, I'm not even going to deny, like, I know a lot about both these teams, both these games at the moment. So, you've got Porto, Juve, uh, obviously, Ronaldo at Juventus. Are we all saying Juventus to just get the job done? Who's, who's at home first? Porto at home first. Although, I don't think they're allowed games in Portugal, are they? I'm not sure. I'm not too sure. But, yeah, Porto are technically at home. Uh, I, I honestly can't see Porto getting past Juve, like, uh, Ronaldo's banging form, you know what I mean? And and Morata's been doing all right this season. He's playing like a second striker sort of role behind getting a few more assists and uh, generally thriving. They've got Giorgio Chiellini back. He's managed to shore up their defence, which is a bit worrying at his age, but I suppose it's a short-term fix. So, yeah, I, I reckon they'll easily roll him over. I'll go for a 3-1. What are you saying? Um, I, I actually think they're giving them a bit of a scare. I don't think they're going to win Porto, but I, I, I was quite impressed by how they played in the in the group stages. And I know that was a long time ago, but Champions League is a different beast. Um, I'm going to say first leg. I'm going to go one-one first leg. Um, I, I think they'll. I think. I think going forward, they still play great football, Porto. Um, and I don't think Juve have been that convincing this season. I mean, it, they lost at the weekend again. Um, so, to me, they're, they're an inconsistent team at the moment, and I don't see them going very far in the Champions League this year. I think the maximum they make is semi-finals this year, but I don't think they're even going to get there. Um, I think they're nine points behind Inter now in Serie A. Yeah. Just not looking like a title-winning side, and I don't think they're looking like a Champions League-winning side. Um, and I think Porto will give them a little bit of a run for their money. Yeah, fair. Yeah, I think I'm just going to go Ronaldo just to take it home. I don't think they'll win the whole thing. But Porto, I don't think, as much as I think they're a bit improved from the last couple of years, I think you've got that wrapped up. So 
Should we move on to the last one? This is an interesting one because Sevilla, it's a Sevilla Dortmund. Sevilla are just sort of European specialists at this point. And obviously Dortmund haven't had the best year. They changed manager, but they do have one of the most exciting players in Europe in Erling Haaland. Uh, we're going to go to Max. How do you see that one going? Uh, Sevilla at home. This is such a tricky one. Um, I've been I've been on the Dortmund bandwagon for ages with this, but I'm swinging to, towards Sevilla now because I just think Dortmund are so poor defensively. So poor. Um, and I think Sevilla are a much more well-rounded, well-balanced side um, in all facets. So... I'm a Sevilla at home first leg, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go Sevilla to win um, 2-1 first leg. Uh, to be fair, I've not really watched any of Dortmund or um, Sevilla recently. I know Sevilla just got um, Alejandro Gomez from yeah, um, Atalanta. Obviously, he played a big part in the Champions League last year as well, getting into the semis. Quarters. Um, yeah, quarters. And uh, with Dortmund, they, I think they drew 2-2 on the weekend to Hoffenheim. So it's, it's not really looking too good for either team. But I'll go for a draw. I'll go for a 2-2. I'm going to change my prediction. I'm going to 3-1 severe. Wow, there's a lot of trends yeah. going around in these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to back Dortmund just so someone's backing them. But I, I think Haaland's got that star factor. Like, I know they, they went out to PSG in the end, but that first leg, he scored one of the hardest shots I've ever seen. Um, yeah. And he's just, he's the just net just so, rippled. Yeah. He's just so big and fast. It's crazy. He just does seem like a kind of Terminator of a. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm going to back it. I'm going to go 2-1 two, two, Dortmund. So if we finish up then, we've got one final debate, and this will probably be what the poll's about on Twitter. It's, it's a tough one, mainly because no one's really in top form other than maybe Man City and Atletico Madrid. But if we talk about who we think is going to go on and win the Champions League, obviously it's a long way off, so it's difficult to make a prediction. I'll... I'll think I'm just going to go with probably the easy option because they are informed but they've got such a mark against them in terms of trying to win this competition but I think Man City are a different team now I think Ruben Diaz and their defence just look so much better and they've got options there if anyone gets injured they've got Laporte can come back in especially if they've got Aguero back and De Bruyne back and they've got them going I, I'm going to say I think Man City will do it but if I picked who I wanted to win it, it would be Barcelona. I'd have a Messi masterclass because I just love him. But I'm going to go Man City to win the Champions League finally this year. Um, yeah, I think City is definitely the easy bet. But I just think uh, I don't really see either of their strikers coming up prop. I mean, I know it's obviously worked for them in the league. They've blown away teams like Gundogan's chipped in the goals. De Bruyne, Sterling, Foden. And they have got a wicked defence now with uh, Diaz, Ake, all of those centre-back covers, Stones, who's picked up form. I just I just don't think they're going to do it. I just, for some reason, I just get drawn to either Real Madrid or Bayern, yeah. who aren't as good as last season, must be said, or even Barcelona. I mean, I would like to see Barcelona win it just for Messi's sake, just for his perfect send-off. 
Um, but I feel like Real Madrid will just find a way to, you know, dance it and 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 that will somehow just happen, you know, as yeah. it usually does. Max, who's your shot? I'm, I'm going with the other side of Madrid. Um, really? For so long, I, I've gone with Bayern, but I just yeah. don't want to go. I don't want to go with Bayern, to be honest. <laughs> um, I'm going with Atletico because I think they're a much different beast this season. I think they're arguably um, as good as their title-winning side back in 2014, I think, yeah. um, when they nearly did the double. Um, Luis Suarez, for me, just adds a massive dimension to their team that they haven't had before. I think they had it in Griezmann, but I think Suarez does a lot more in Griezmann, not only on the ball, but off the ball. Um, and I think combined with the, the pickup in form of Yao Felix... Um, and their defense is, is is solid. Look, it's, it's a Simeone yeah. team. We know what we know what to expect with that. I think that I think they'll, I think they're at least getting to the semi-finals this year. Definitely. So I, I I'm gonna back them. Yeah, no, I I agree. Yeah. They they definitely could go far, especially with Suarez up top. Yeah. yeah. So they're my they're my they're my pick. Cool. Well, yeah, there'll be a poll up on Twitter with our picks and um, get involved. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, send any questions if you have them and yeah just get involved with the poll uh, get involved thanks to Mitch for coming on it's been nice no to get another, another team's view it's, it's good I was so worried it was going to be like we can only find top six fans but we've had different leagues different countries different levels so it's been really good so far uh, if anybody wants to come on or get involved like I said just drop us a message or an email uh, so we'll wrap things up here please like and subscribe and all that good stuff on YouTube and uh, yeah, we're obviously on Spotify as well. So we will see you in the next one.